You're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a powerful conversation on what it takes to become enough and stay enough as we strive toward our potential. I'm your host, Enoughness Coach and Women's Leadership Mentor, Megan Hale. Join me every Monday and Thursday as I talk to some of the top voices on what it takes to live true, live brave, and become our biggest champion along the way. It's time to revolutionize the way you live, love, work, and dream. This is the Enoughness Revolution. Hello, leaders. I have such an amazing guest for you today who is going to be sharing her best tips for stepping into your leadership and leading a tribe. I am so excited for this conversation. But as a friendly reminder, if you are new to the Enoughness Revolution or have not heard of the Fierce Women Masterclass, I highly encourage you to go and check it out because it's a beautiful collaboration that I have co-created with seven other phenomenal women who really help you cultivate the right mindset to up-level your life and business. And one of our co-creators, Sherry Teigman, is walking our accompanying Facebook group through some additional activities this week, so you really don't want to miss out on that. You can find out more at FierceFeminineMasterclass.com. Today, I am speaking to the lovely Jordana Jaffe, who teaches women entrepreneurs who are introverts or home buddies how to create their own super engaged Facebook group and successfully participate in other groups so that they can grow their online community and get clients while staying at home in their cozy PJs. She has graciously included some free gifts for all of you. So there's a free guide titled How I Created a Super Engaged Facebook Community Filled with Thousands of My Ideas clients and how you can too. And she's also extended a welcome invitation to join her free Facebook group that she runs with her lovely wife, Jenna, who's also been a guest on the podcast. And this group has, I think, over 8,000 women entrepreneurs in it. And it's a super engaged space. It's really magical to hang out in. It's one of my favorites spaces to really go and disconnect with people. So definitely come and join us. There's some links in the show notes for that. So without further ado, here is Jordana. Welcome back to the Enoughness Revolution, everyone. I am so excited to have my guest Jordana here with me. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Super happy to be here. Yay. So we have such a phenomenal conversation ahead of us, but before we get started, would you please introduce yourself to my community of who you are and what you do? Totally. Hi, everyone. I'm Jordana Jaffe. It rhymes with banana taffy. And, um, <laughs> and I've been an entrepreneur for nine years now. Uh, I started off as a professional organizer. Then I was a business coach. I had a little spurt into life coaching. And now I focus on Facebook groups and I help women entrepreneurs who are introverts or homebodies predominantly, but you could also be nomadic or maybe you're a stay-at-home mom or whatnot. And I also actually have started to help men too. But regardless, I help them achieve massive engagement, major growth, and mega expert status by using the magic and power of Facebook groups. Mm, I love that. Now I have, for all of our listeners, I've known Jordana for a while now and I've watched her kind of evolve as an entrepreneur kind of like at lightning speed within this past year as I've really seen you step into a different level of authenticity that I so admire, by the way. And I'd really like to talk to you about what that journey has been like for you because I feel like you're, you're like in this zone of genius right now that's like you're in your magic sauce. And I know it's taken a journey to get here, but I really saw you peel back a lot of layers last year 
And the woman I see before me today just feels so just real. And I, I just love that. So I want to hear more about the journey. That's a great question. You know, the journey hasn't been a deliberate one. You know, it's like the journey's taken me as opposed to me taking the journey, uh, if that makes any sense. I, you know, mm -hmm. I, I feel like I've just been led. But really, I think what it's the, what the, the beginning first step for me uh, has been releasing shame. Mm. Because I think that that's what prevents us, or many of us, I, I'm sure there's you know, a bunch of factors, but one of the factors is shame. It prevents us from sharing our vulnerabilities, sharing our messiness, sharing those kind of under the surface story stories. So because we're shameful, we're scared of people's reactions, we're scared of rejection, we're scared of something, yeah. uh, or perhaps a deep-seated shame around the vulnerability, the messiness. What about for the only person in the entire universe that's experienced this? So I think that that's what it really came to. And I think what it, what it also is a matter of is that it's tiring, or at least it was for me, to just tell surface level stories. Yeah. It, it's, it takes more energy to some degree to tell the surface level story than it does to just tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, uh, because it's kind of a bit like you're not telling the truth and it's exhausting to lie. Yeah. You know, and, and lie is a, is a hard word, but it's exhausting to, to omit and it's exhausting to fabricate and it's exhausting to dress up yes. things. So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of, I think, where it came from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love that you talk about releasing shame and how that's really prevented or not prevented, but allowed you to really step into this new phase of leadership that I see you demonstrate just so exquisitely. And the shame for me, those are the voices of not enough, of the I'm not good enough, smart enough, talented enough, experienced enough um, to really make this thing that I want to happen, happen. And for me, it's about getting into those stories of like, what am I telling myself and why do I believe this in the first place? So this isn't something that's guiding my life anymore, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I really love about you and your business model especially is that you have really pared down your offerings to be very affordable for people. Mm -hmm. And it's being, it's like really successful for you. Mm -hmm. And I see this like part of you, like it's like following your heart to do mm -hmm. this for people. And that's part of your huge success. So can you talk about what that was like of coming to that realization of changing your business model? Yeah, you know, basically what was happening was that I was learning from business coaches, whether directly or through their newsletters and, or maybe just through word of mouth and the grapevine, but basically the stereotypical model is uh, you learn more, you grow up, you charge more. It, it just, you know, the, I'm sure there's a law of increase or whatever it is. <laughs> and, you know, like, oh, you've been in business for one more year, add, you know, another $200 to your coaching rate, right? So I was doing that. And, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to it. I think we all do different things because those things make us feel good, right? Whatever those things are. And what ultimately happened was that there was a certain point where that felt good. And then there came a point where I said to myself, you know, I'm really tired of two things. I'm tired of the money objections. I validate the money objections, but I'm just tired of holding space for them 
uh, and, and like work. I, I can help people work through them. I'm just tired of doing it. Uh, number one and number two, um, it just felt even though people always say, you know, you're responsible to your client and not for your client, the more money someone invests with you, the more they expect. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, I didn't want to hold space necessarily for that anymore or to the degree that I was doing it. You know, I just didn't want to, um, you know, people sometimes spend their whole life savings or a portion of their life savings or just spend a lot of money and they had these wild expectations. And in the end, the results have to do with them, right? I, all I am is a guide. I'm a, medita- I'm a mediator. You know, I'm, a, a, I'm the liaison, you know, between mm-hmm. them and the magic. I don't make the magic, you know, nor do any coach. So, right. so yeah, so I just decided, you know, I think it'd be super interesting if I could offer a really low priced program and actually simultaneously feel financially successful from it. So uh, it, it was, it was kind of scary because I really didn't know, you know, I, I had some, you know, we had probably at the point when I launched the, the low cost program, we had probably 5,000 people in our Facebook group and I maybe had something similar on my list. But then you, you know, factor in the 20% open rate and, you know, you do the math. So it wasn't like I was like 100,000 people on our Facebook group, 100,000 people. You know, it wasn't like there was a, such a huge um, mass of people that it was like a no-brainer. Like, oh, this is like cake. Mm-hmm. It, wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. It was like this could work or I could feel kind of like an idiot a little. <laughs> you know, I mean, true story, right? Or I mean, or it could just be like another lesson, whatever. Yeah. But um. So yeah, I didn't approach it with a, with a knowingness of this is for sure going to work. I approached it with a, it would be interesting if this worked and we'll see what happens, kind of. Um, and I think for a variety of reasons, uh, it really worked. <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, so you know, it was a $70 program, 440 people signed up for it. And you know, you do the math, that's a $30,000 revenue mm-hmm. um, over the course of a month. So yeah, so it was super successful. Um, and look, I learned a lot of things from that too that I wouldn't do again. But I think that a lot of people shy away from low cost programs because they know that in order to still make money, they, they need a high volume audience, right? right? And people think that it takes a long time to get that. And it could, depending on you know how fast you work, but it doesn't have to. So you know, right now I'm really focused on helping people see that if their heart is leading them to, like, if regardless of what, like, a business coach is saying or whatever, but if, like, their true heart, if their truth, if their whispers are like, I really just want to offer something that's 50 bucks or 70 bucks or 80 bucks, like, and that, that's just what, like, feels so good and delicious to me, but I'm scared because A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I don't have an audience, I don't know what to do, all this stuff. But I, I think that, uh, that they can still do it. I think that there's totally a way and you don't need to necessarily wait, you know, a year until you have this huge anything. I mean, I think that there's certain things you need to do, but yeah, it was, it was a really cool experiment that I was really pleased with the results of it. Well, I think that you're really talking about like the power of curiosity, Mm, which I know that you probably 
like like the some some of the same authors that I like. I'm sure you might have read Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, who talks about the power of curiosity. I haven't yet, but we have it, so I'm going but to. But it's um it's really brilliant how she talks about following this just little thread of curiosity that helped her write her last novel, The Signature of All Things, and it just started with like a basic curiosity of plants. Mm. And she started researching it and researching it, and then this story started to develop for her. She just kept following the breadcrumbs. And I think for you, you know, you did the very same thing. You just followed these breadcrumbs of like, I wonder what would happen if, mm -hmm. and just let yourself be really experimental in your business, which I think is, is one side fun and two sides kind of terrifying because <laughs> you don't know how it's going to turn out. So terrifying. <laughs> and I think you're, you kind of pulled away from a, what a lot of, I think, business coaches would tell you to do. So I'm curious how you worked through those stories to really be true to you and kind of silence out any of the shoulds or supposed tos? Hmm. That's a good question. I, um, I, I don't think at the time when I was actually doing it that there was anyone actually at the time being like, you shouldn't do it. And if there was, I probably just tuned it out. But I think I just, you know, when you want something badly enough, you just go for it. And mm -hmm. I wanted it, I, I, was, I was committed enough to it. I was dedicated enough to it. I was interested and curious enough in what might happen and committed enough into giving people something that I know that they wanted that would be an easy yes for people financially. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't care what anyone said because it wasn't really a matter of what other people said. I was just, I was just so tired of offering things to people and people, whether because of mindset stuff or any, you know, whatever it was, people being like, I can't because of the money. I was just so tired. I, I was really tired of it. Yes. And um, I just wanted to offer something really great to people that was an easy yes, if that's what they wanted to do. Love it. One of the things that I have seen you stand in so firmly since I've known you is core desired feelings. That's something like I just I think of you automatically when I think of CDFs because you're always so so bold about talking about them and how important they are. And I really kind of see this thread of those coming through in your ability to create something that felt the way you wanted to feel in your business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, every day I, I also have the desire map planner. So every single morning I ask myself, how do I want to feel today? How do I want to feel today? Yeah. And like, what am I going to do to to live into those feelings? So I mean, those are always my guiding posts. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. So tell me about the process of like, how do you get in touch with your true voice to know like what's, what's authentic for you? What's real for you versus maybe what people are kind of conditioned you to like want or believe or think? Well, uh, I've not so recently, but recently, I mean, it depends kind of when you ask me, but like, <laughs> I've on and off had a really grounding self care practice. So Every day I'm going to journal. Every day I'm going to meditate. I'll visualize. So there's a, you know, and something even as simple as like taking a shower can be like a really meditative and reflective and introspective moment. So I'll do yoga. I'll take a walk outside. So I, um, and I don't really see that as indulgent or luxurious. I see it as essential to my, you know, just sense of self and, and sense of inner stability and, and sense of self-care. So mm -hmm. Um, so, so that's how I access it because I create the time. I prioritize the time to, to tap into it. I think if we don't do that, then it's a lot harder to access it. I agree. I totally agree. And I think that's probably one of the 
biggest, the biggest benefits of having a practice, whether that's a spiritual practice or just a self-care practice, mm-hmm. really creating the space and time to really tune in to you, how you're feeling, how you want to feel, asking yourself like the important questions before you really start your day. So I'm really glad that you highlighted that. Mm-hmm. Um, given your area of expertise where you're really helping female entrepreneurs become, uh, you're helping them create engaged communities. Mm-hmm. Part of that process is them stepping into their leadership of that community. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to talk to you about kind of what, what leadership means to you and what your journey has been to becoming the leader of this massive Facebook group you and your wife have created. <sighs> That's a great question. Um, leadership. So I think leadership comes down to a few things. I think it comes down to, um, it first comes down to a decision. Of I'm going to step into this role of leadership. I mean, it kind of sounds oversimplistic, but that's really kind of what it is. It's yeah, just, yeah. I'm going to be a leader. Um, just like, you know, I'm going to be a parent or I'm going to be a wife or I, you know, you're making a decision, right? And I think decisions carry a lot of power in them. It's when people are kind of like, I'm going to start a Facebook group, but they haven't really been like, and this means I'm a leader. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I want to have a baby and this means I'm a parent, you know, like I, so, so I think that there's kind of like a new identity to, to take on. And in terms of being a leader, I think some of um, what leadership is all about is learning as you go. Just mm-hmm. like marriage and parenthood, I feel like you learn as you go. You might have a sense of what's, what, what you're in for in the beginning, but, but you learn as you go. You learn like, oh, this is a skill set I apparently need as a leader or like <laughs> a skill set I apparently need, right? So um, I think that I didn't really know what that meant when I, when we first started, I knew that it meant that I was starting a group. I knew that it meant that I expected of myself to post the most and to, you know, to, to lead the way and to, to kind of uh, create the space and all that stuff. But I think other things I learned along the way was, were, were like, being okay with people getting upset with me and, mm. and drawing boundaries that felt good for me and might not feel good for other people and, um, and not taking people's opinions to heart if they conflicted with my opinion. Yes. Not so, taking it personally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that leadership requires a sense of bravery mm-hmm. and standing your ground when it might seem like you're on a different ground than someone else. Yes, absolutely. And I think the thing with boundaries especially is that it can be, I'm not going to say they're necessarily easy to set. They do become easier to set the longer you practice them. But maintaining them, I think, is one of the hardest pieces of really standing firm, of drawing that line, but then holding it there, right? Mm-hmm. So have you had some growth process in that, in your own leadership? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think also, I mean, I don't know if this is, this might also be another element of leadership. You know, part of that, I think part of leadership is also knowing when uh, you should delegate yes. <laughs> and outsource and when, right? Like, I, I love how I'm doing all these like parenthood metaphors and I'm not a parent yet, but, um, you know, it's like at a certain point you like 
I don't know, you, you hire someone to help or, or maybe better, better yet. Let's, let's do a dog metaphor. Cause I have one. Like at a certain point you hire a trainer, right? You're like, I can't help my dog as much as this qualified professional trainer can. And likewise, you know, with the Facebook group, we now have, um, you know, I've had a lot of assistants in the past, but I've never had an assistant really who has given, who we directed to give so much attention and focus to our Facebook group. Because for a while I was like, this Facebook group is free. Like, why should I be paying someone to really, you know, manage this Facebook group with us, all this stuff. But then I kind of realized, you know, this is our community and from our community come a lot of our clients. Like it does make sense. Um, so yeah, so now, so now a lot of, a lot of the frustration, annoyance that might've initially at points come from boundary stuff around the Facebook group no longer because we have someone else managing it. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the boundaries that I've kind of seen you set earlier this year too is kind of being um, like having a, some sort of boundary around being online all the time. Cause I feel like as online entrepreneurs, we can get sucked into the vortex of, of Facebook and Instagram so easily. And we kind of start to lose this, this life work balance, whatever that means for us. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found that to be difficult? To you know, it, back a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that I, it goes in, in, in ebbs and flows. There's times where I'm like, I need to be offline this weekend. Um, it's usually after I've done like a really intense launch or I've led a course very, um, very presently and, and I just get a little like, need to like back up. Uh, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's, it's very interesting. Recently, one thing that people have been asking me a lot is like, how many hours do you work? It's a very interesting question and it's a valid question, but I'm like, I have no idea. And you know, some people might be like, Ooh, that's like a bad sign. And, but perhaps after hearing my answer, people might think differently. And my answer is I make my work feel cozy, right? So like I am in yoga pants and leg warmers right now, and I will sit on my couch with a cozy blanket and my puppy listening to fun music or watching a Netflix thing and I'll get work done. So like, sure, I guess I could classify that as work. I mean, it's work. Right? <laughs> like it, it also feels fun. So, and I'm also sitting next to my wife, you know, so I mean, so it's fun, right? So sure. Maybe one person is like, Oh, you're a workaholic. Or maybe I'm just like living a really good life where yes. I figured out how to, where I figured out how to make work feel fun. And so, so I don't, I, I'm not like, Ooh, clocking in, you know, like, because I don't need to report my hours to anyone. Like I'm not like clocking in 9am. I mean, maybe once we have a baby, I'll be more boundary based in terms of, <laughs> yeah. in terms of like my hours or whatnot. But right now, like it doesn't matter to me. I'm on my couch. I'm cozy. I'm getting work done. Life is good. And I think that just really speaks volumes about how important those CDFs are for you. I mean, they really like do, they guide your life, they guide your business and it makes your work not feel like work. You've been able to really create that reality for yourself. And I think a lot of people feel like it's not possible for them. They don't see how it could be possible. Right. I get that. Yeah, I totally get that. Mm -hmm. Did you ever have a point where you felt like, um, like it wasn't possible for you? Mm, I'm sure. I'm sure. I mean, in the past nine years, there must be multiple points. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, another big CDF of mine is presence. So it's like, it's like what I know is what I know now. Yeah. So that's what I really focus on. I love that. So as we kind of wrap things up today, I'd love to talk about enoughness and how it relates to leadership and what your opinion on that is. 
I think, you know, as I was saying that leadership requires a sense of inner sturdiness, you know, Mm. and that directly relates to enoughness. You know, if you yourself don't feel like you're enough, I feel like that creates a level of fragility within you. And if you're fragile as a leader, it's going to be really hard to do things, right? Because because a leader is about, like, why are you a leader? You're a leader because you're creating a new path for people to follow. So A, you need to be bold enough to create this new path. And B, you need to be brave enough to lead these people. And C, you need to be okay enough and sturdy enough to be okay if people are like, you suck, right? So, and be like, no, I kind of really dig my path and I really dig leading everyone. So I, I, I validate your feelings of me feeling like I suck, but like, I feel cool about me. Mm-hmm. So thanks for your input and I'm moving right along. <laughs> so I think it's, it's a lot more tra- trying and challenging to be a leader when, when there's a, sh- there's a, there's a deep struggle with enoughness. I think we all struggle with enoughness to a degree. The question is to what degree is it, uh, is it, is it like debilitating or is it just, uh, are there just little triggers that you're like, Ooh, that kind of hurt, you know, and it takes you a little while to recoup. Yeah, no, totally. I, I definitely agree that enoughness is def- an onward journey. Mm. It's never something that we get like really solid in and it stays the same over the long term. I think anytime we go through any level of expansion, any level of growth, any level of up leveling or changing directions where we're going is the unknown. It's like prime ground for that little voice of saying, are you sure that you can do this? Which is <laughs> all really related to, are you good enough to make this work? Right. So if you could give the audience like three tips for those who are really struggling owning their power, um, stepping into their own leadership, what would you say to them? Well, I'm a big fan of lists, right? Maybe this is <laughs> like I'm an INFJ and my J is, is freaking out and it's like, J! Um, so number one, I, I, and I think evidence, evidential proof is really powerful. So like the first thing I would do is write a list. Like, why are you enough? Yeah. You know, and, or, or think about like, you know, why are you good enough or smart enough? Like think about the, like the specific kind of enough that you feel vulnerable in, right? So mm-hmm. perhaps you write, th- maybe your three actions or you write three different lists. One's I am smart enough because I'm, I don't know, good enough because I am uh, brave enough because. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, whether you want to do it where you write 50 things on the list or you just fill a page or you set a timer and you just keep going until the timer goes. Uh, do that, but, but definitely give yourself some kind of, um, organization around it just because you might get to your page and be like, uh, but if you know that you need to either fill the page or write 50 things or write until the timer goes off, then it will be a bit more structured for you. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think like making something like getting something done on paper is just, it's really gratifying for so <laughs> many people. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of my work it really revolves around journaling and, and getting, that the thoughts in our head down on paper because Uh it it somehow just externalizes it for us. And we start to find some separation from it. We start to see that these thoughts are not us. They're just thoughts. And I think that's a very powerful piece. So Jordana, thank you so much for joining me today. Where can everybody find you? They can find me uh, in two places. They can find me on my website, which is jordanajaffe.com. That's J-O-R-D-A-N-A-J-F-F-E.com. Or you can go to our free Facebook group uh, that has over, um, as of right now, 8,000 women entrepreneurs. It's free. And you can go to bit.ly forward slash you are magical. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being such an amazing guest. And to all of our listeners, thank you for sharing this space with us. We will see you again soon. Thank you so much for joining us on the Enoughness Revolution. If today's episode rocked your world or added value to your life, I'd love for you to let us know by leaving a quick review on iTunes. The Enoughness Revolution is a global conversation for owning who we are as women and owning who we are as leaders. If you're ready to break free from the destructive stories of not enough and step boldly into your own leadership, visit me at megan-hale.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, and courses all designed to empower you to lead. Until next time, you're beautiful, you're powerful, you're capable of achieving everything you desire. Claim your enoughness, sister, and unleash the fierce feminine leader within.